Good morning. Once again, it's a blessing, a privilege to be here. And you know what I notice? Is no matter where you go around the world, when you meet Seventh-day Adventists that are on fire for God, there's something, I, I can't put my finger on it, maybe it's the smile or the... <laughs> but and I, and I sense that here, of people that really want to follow God and to do His will, and that's really, really encouraging for me. And So it's a blessing to be here. Um, this morning, I'd like us to talk about God's three books. God's three books. You know, a little boy was, um, was playing somewhere in, in a back room, and he found a book that was very dusty. And it looked kind of interesting. It was leather, and, and he had never really seen that book before. So he took the book. It was pretty big. And he brought it to his mommy in the kitchen. He says, Mommy, Mommy, look what I found. What is this? And the mother, with reverence and awe, said, well, son, this is God's book. He says, oh, okay, okay. And it's full of dust and cobwebs all around. And he thought for a moment. He says, well, mommy, if it's God's book, we should probably give it back to him because we surely don't use it. And, <laughs> you know, that's a little rebuke to some of us sometimes, how we have two, three, four, five Bibles and um, sometimes we don't take time to read even one. Well, the th- God's three books that I'm going to talk about today are not, is not the Bible. It's three other books. And the first one, if you can turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Let's discover what the first book, first one of God's book is. Philippians chapter 4. And we're looking at verse 3. This is Paul speaking to the Philippian church and he tells them in philippians chapter 4 verse 3 and i entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which labored with me in the gospel with clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are where in the book of life so i'm privileged this morning to have a copy of that book there you go isn't that amazing the book of life And so, the first book this morning that I want to talk about is the book of life. Paul is speaking to the Philippians, and he's saying, I want you to do something to entreat uh, those that labored with me in the gospel, with Clement, and also uh, with other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. And so we can find, contextually speaking, from Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, that the names of those that are found in the book of life are not just people that are nice people or Christians or so forth. But according to the Bible, it says, those that labored with me where? In the gospel. And so those that are laymen or laborers, those I would call good Christians, right? Is that a good term to use? I believe good Christians are found in the book of life. Those that have a burden for souls, those that are doing everything in their power to go out and to seek, to help, and to save those that are lost, In Luke chapter 10, if you can turn with me there, the disciples have just come back from an amazing uh, missionary journey. They have seen demons cast out, people raised from the dead, 
um, sickness has, fleeing, has, has fled from before them. And they come back all excited to Jesus and says, Jesus, Jesus, you'll never guess what happened. It actually works. <laughs> and Jesus, with calmness, in Luke chapter 10, I can just imagine him saying, 10 verse 20, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the Spirit are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written where? In heaven. And so in Great Controversy, page 480, it says the book of life, this one right here, contains the names of all who have ever entered the service of God. The book of life contains the name of all who have ever entered their service of God. So that includes people like Abraham and Isaac and Elijah and Jacob and Judas. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and Judas. Judas was not God speaking to the disciples. Was Judas part of the disciples? You sure? And so Jesus is speaking to the disciples, including Jesus, and says, Rejoice that your name is written where? In the book of life, in heaven. If you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Looking at verse 27. Speaking about those that will enter heaven. Revelation 21 verse 27 it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it, meaning heaven, anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so I have a problem here. Judas obviously was a liar and a deceit and worked abomination. But yet, it seems from the Bible that Judas' name was also in the book of life. So will Judas be in heaven or won't he? You don't think he'll be there? And if he is there, do you still want to go? <laughs> if you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. I'm moving quickly because there's quite a lot of verses we need to look up here. Exodus chapter 32, Moses is pleading with God for the children of Israel. And God is saying that he's going to destroy them. And Moses is putting himself, as it were, on the line for them. And he, Moses uses a powerful argument. Moses knows that God loves him. Moses knows that God loves him. And Moses knows that God does not want to destroy him. And so what he says in verse 32 of chapter 32, arguing with God as it were, he says, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, meaning the people of Israel, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever have sinned against me, him will I blot out of my what? Book. And so we see that it is, the book of life is a book where not everybody's name is entered in. It's a book where only those that have entered their service of God's 
their name is entered in. But we have also learned that it's not only good Christians or Christians that are co-laborers with God that are working for the salvation of souls, but it's also Christians that are not so good, that have entered a service of God like Judas, but had selfish motives. And we found out that names can be put in and, and names can be taken out. Very good. The second book is found in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, the book right before Matthew. Malachi chapter 3, and we're looking at verse 16. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of what? Remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. In Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 14, I can read it for you. It says, Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. So the second book is a book of God's remembrance or a, good, a book of good deeds. Once again, I'm so privileged to have a copy today of that very thought, beautiful book called The Book of Good Deeds. In Great Controversy, page 481, it says, In the book of God's remembrance, or good deeds, every deed of righteousness is immortalized. There, every temptation resisted, every evil Overcome, every word of tender pity expressed is faithfully chronicled. And every act of sacrifice, every suffering and sorrow endured for Christ's sake is recorded there. And you know, I don't know what your struggle is in your life. You know, it may be your marriage or your work or your children or your parents. Maybe it may be sickness or loneliness. But it's encouraging to know that if nobody sees and that nobody cares, that God does. And that every struggle that you have to go through, and sometimes you may wonder, is it even worth it? Sometimes we do good to people and they turn around and they just stab us in the back. And we wonder, should I just continue? But it's amazing how if you can just think that though no one sees, Though no one cares, somebody does. And everything is written down. And I believe that the reward will be yours one day. We serve an amazing God. A God that does not overlook small things. And that you may think that it's not worthwhile. But I tell you, if you just hope and persevere, it will be worthwhile one day. You know, in Psalms 56 verse 8, it says, Thou numberest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? And so it's almost as if every tear that falls from your eyes is captured in a little bottle. And that tear is recorded in this book that this individual suffered for my sake, was able to resist temptation, was able to help and be compassionate to others when they were only being mistreated as a result. It's all written down. And one day they will have their reward. As it was mentioned, I work as a literature evangelist 
going from door to door and working with young people also that go from door to door. And I remember one day I, I was working in an apartment building because it gets very cold in Canada, by the way. <laughs> and you can't really work outside in the winter, so you have to go in the buildings. And I remember I had finished my, my... I was pretty much finished for the day. It was late. I was tired. I was hungry. I wanted to go home. And so I decided to grab my bag, and that was it. So I got into the elevator, and I got into the elevator, and I started going down. And the next floor, the elevator opened, and somebody walked in. It was a young woman, and it was a young man. And they, we were it's just her, him, and me in the elevator. And it was a, a tall building. I'm thinking, you know, 20, 30 floors. And right in front of me, they started to talk about what what they had just, I don't know if they had just experienced in their bedroom. And I was just disgusted. (laughs) You know, for me, I felt like rebuking them in the name of, you know. But something told me, hold my peace. And I've never seen, I don't know, I've never hung around prostitutes or whatever, but I could almost guarantee that she was a prostitute, just the way that she was dressed and everything. But something told me, hold your peace, John. Obviously, this person doesn't know you. And so instead of just rebuking or just getting out of the elevator or just, I decided to pray. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, obviously, especially the young woman, I said, obviously, she doesn't know you. And I pray that somehow you may find yourself to her heart. Ding! Elevator hit bottom floor, gone. Never going to see this woman again. By the way, I meet hundreds of people. And I can't really say that I've met people again. I may, but when you meet so many people, they're all faces after a while. You know, you don't remember everybody that you've met. And I remember a few weeks later, I'm walking a big city here in Canada. I'm walking in a shopping mall, and I see her walking towards me with a friend. And it just struck. I just pr- I prayed for this woman, and I remembered who she was. I think that's so strange. I find this this girl one more time. And so as I'm walking, I don't think she recognized me, but I recognized her. And I prayed for her one more time. And I say, Lord, that is extremely strange that I find this girl once more. I pray, Lord, that she may find you. And I added something. I said, Lord, if it is your will for for if you want to use me to reach out to her, I am willing. And so I walk past, she walks past, and that's the end. Two months later, <laughs> I'm knocking in another building somewhere with a sister from a church. And it's night and it's time to go home and I'm hungry and I'm tired and I'm thirsty. <laughs> and I'm about to go home. I said, okay, let's go home. She says, let's do one more door. I say, let's go home. You know, we really worked hard <laughs> enough. She said, no, let's do one more door. And so we're at this door. And so the logical thing is to do this door, right? So I said, okay, let's do this door. She says, no, 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 no. The Spirit is telling me, and sometimes I question people that say that, we need to do that door. I said, lady, let's just do a door (laughs) and get out of here. So we went to that door. And I remember we walked over there. and So we just knocked on the door and swung it open. And guess who opens the door? That girl. And I was like, whoa. You know, I don't think she recognized me. I said, man, that's strange. And so I started talking with her about what we're doing, trying to help people in the community. And we start about talk, we always talk about health first, 
And then we move from health to character building and then slowly into spiritual things because in Canada, many people are atheists and so you have to be very you know, tactful in your approach. And so because she was sick um, and she was really interested in health that day, so she invited us in. So we went in and we sat down and we started talking about things. And, and it turned out that she was not a prostitute, that she was actually a hairdresser. And um, I <laughs> don't know if there's any connection. And she was living alone. She was about 19 years old. And, um, and yeah, she was, she was really nice, actually. And we started talking, and we shared with her some material on health. And, and she was really excited about that, and she decided she's going to get that one. And I said, well, you know, I have one more maybe I can show you. And I, I pulled out a book called God's Answers to Your Questions. And as soon as I pulled out the book, she says, God, no, I don't, no, no, I don't want anything to do with God. You can put that book away. This is, you know, I used, I used to believe in God. I don't believe in God anymore. A God like that you can keep. I said, like what? She says, well, she mumbled something about her dad being shot two years ago. And if God is a God of love, then he would never had allowed something like that to happen. So I don't want to know anything about God. And when they're young, and I'm young, or I consider myself young, you, you can talk with them straight. And so I said, well... If God is really a God of love, and if He did allow your dad to get shot, wouldn't you want to know? Isn't this like the perfect book, God's Answers to Your Questions? She kind of looked at me. No, I, no, no, no. Okay, no problem. I won't push it. No problem. So she went and she got the money for the health book. And this, bless her heart, spiritual sister of mine... <laughs> We're just talking, and all of a sudden she grabs that book. She says, God wants you to have this book. (laughs) And I said, oh, no, what she's going to do? And I watched her reaction, and she looked at the book, and she had the two books in her hand, and she was like like a struggle going on in her heart. She says, no, no, I said, I don't want it. And so she, 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 she threw it back. We keep talking about things, just casual conversation about life and so forth. And this spiritual sister of mine, (laughs) one more time, was led by the spirit, I don't know which spirit, (laughs) to grab the book and, God wants you to have this book. And I said, sister, you know, she said she doesn't want the book. So once again, she says, no, I don't want it. And so we kept talking. And at the end, it was time for us to go. and, And since she was nice, though she was, I guess, an atheist, I said, you know, I, her name was Cindy. Cindy, I, I know you don't believe in God, but you mind if we pray to him before we go? <laughs> she said, yeah, you can do whatever you want, no problem. So I prayed for her, short, straight to the point prayer. And it's amazing how um, so few people out there have anyone that cares for them. You know, one lady said, my priest, he comes to my house all the time. He eats my chicken and he's never prayed for me. You know, you're the first person that comes and prays for me. And after I prayed for her, she was in tears and just quiet. And so I, I grabbed my, my bookcase and I was ready to go. And I opened a door and she says, wait. She says, you know that God book? Um, I think I'm going to take that book says, I'm, I'm ready to give God a second chance. You know, when I think about that, I think if God 
would care for someone like Cindy, who's just stooped in sin, iniquity, and immorality, would care enough to go down and to mark down her hurting heart and to say, I know this girl, and she's messing with the wrong thing, but I see that she is crying every night to sleep, and she's trying to put her sorrow out by immorality or whatever. If God would write that down of a sinner that doesn't care about him, that doesn't want to know anything about him, how much more, how much more would he care about you who have entered the service of God? And you may think that the work that you are doing is not worth it, and so why even get involved? Why even try to do something? Because that's not my thing. I'm telling you, everything is written down everything and your reward your reward will come payday someday they say the third book is found in Isaiah 65 Isaiah 65 looking at verse 6 Isaiah 65 it is God speaking Isaiah 65 verse 6 God says behold It is written before me. So something is written before God. So what is it? I will not keep silence, but will recompense, even recompense into their bosom. Well, what is written before God? In verse 7 it says, Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but I have a copy of that book too here today. And I had to put it a little bigger <laughs> to, unfortunately, to, you know, make things real. Unfortunate that most of our, most of the time in our lives, this record is, is a little bit bigger than this one. But we do serve a merciful God, amen? amen? We serve a merciful God. The book of sins, the book of sins. In Great Controversy, page 482. It says, every man's work passes in review before God and is registered for faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Opposite each name. I think that includes yours and mine's too, right? Opposite each name in the books of heaven is entered with terrible exactness. Every wrong word, every selfish act, every unfulfilled duty, and every secret sin with every artful dissembling. Heaven sent warnings or reproofs neglected, wasted moments, sounds like TV, right? Unimproved opportunities, the influence exerted for good or for evil, with its far-reaching results, all are chronicled by the recording angel. Amazing. And so if you because of the foolishness that you say or you do or you think, you lead someone astray and that person walks away from God and that person gets married and has children that are, don't know about God. And those people, and all of that, it says not only what you have done, but the influence you have exerted for evil with its far-reaching results. Meaning all of that is put against your name and you don't even know it. You just think you said something stupid or you just led someone astray. And that person, and their children, and the evil that they do, and their grandchildren, all is marked 
and your book. And I believe, I'll be honest with you, I believe that our record of sin, just with that one fact, is much thicker than we think it is. Because we don't always know the influence of evil that we have upon people. Many times there's different quotes and inspiration that says, you know, we may recover, we may repent, we may ask forgiveness, but what about the people that we have led astray? What about the negative influence that we have brought? It says many times those people will never turn back. In Romans chapter 14, verse 10, there's a specific verse here, which I believe includes all of us. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. The Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 12, So every one of us shall give account of himself to God. How many people does that include? (laughs) You know, you may be wondering, John, why are you spending time talking to us about three books? I mean, those three books are in heaven. I have my life to live. I have my worries, my cares. I have a family. I have work. I have school. I mean, those books are in heaven and I'm on earth. What do these three books have to do with me? I always had a problem when I was young. I knew that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone had to answer to His works. But I knew that the first time I would see Jesus was when He was going to come. So how am I supposed to be in front of Jesus and answering more for my sins... And at the same time, the only time that I'm going to see him for the first time is when he comes back physically. And I think that is the whole point, is that right now, the books are being opened. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I do not know, the way that we are represented or standing before the judgment seat of Christ is not in a physical form. And so whether you're standing or not, you still have to stand through the books. That's the way it happens, right through the books is the way that you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you may be going shopping at Walmart, (laughs) and you may be working, and you have no clue what is happening. And as you're eating your breakfast and your bowl of cereal, your name may be open in heaven. In Great Controversy, page 483, it says, Beginning with those who first lived upon the earth, our advocate presents the cases of each successive generation and closes with the living. Every name is mentioned, every case closely investigated. Names are accepted, and unfortunately, names are rejected. When any have sins remaining upon the books of record, unrepented and unforgiven, their names will be blotted out of the book of life, and the record of their good deeds will be erased from the book of God's remembrance. Amazing. And so what happens is that every name comes up. Every name comes up. And they go through the name from the book of life. And when they go through the name and there's some sin, according to what it says, that is unrepented of. Now this is not an unknown sin. This is someone that knows 
that what he or she is doing is wrong. And that same person knows that God is able to keep him or her from falling. And that person also knows that God can not only give him the power or her the power, but can give him even the desire to overcome. But that person also decides not to take the power, not to surrender to God, to hold that bitterness in her heart, or that bitterness in his heart, or to continue with his lustful way of life. And so he decides, no, for whatever reasons, it might not even be a, 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 a passionate going against, it may just be maybe a, as they would call a neglect. And so what it is saying is that not only will the name be taken out from the book, but they're actually going to shred this one too. So that this one could be just as thick as that one, but that one would go completely in the shredder. I don't know how it literally happens, but sometimes I try to imagine, how would that work in heaven? If you've ever gone to a court system... Um, you know, the person could say, okay, who's the next one, Your Honor? Well, the next one, Your Honor, the recording angel would say is Ann Smith. Well, tell me about Ann Smith. Well, Ann Smith was born in 1906. She weighed 7 pounds and 10 ounces, and uh, she cried for her first date and peed and pooed and whatever. <laughs> well, tell me about her second date. And so it says it's closely, each case is closely investigated. So it goes through her childhood, it goes through her teenage years, and it goes through her life about the time where she got married, the time when she accepted Christ into her life. Because obviously, um, to be in here, she had to enter the service of God somewhere. It goes through a time when her husband decided to leave God and her husband started drinking. And her husband started to treat her bad. And then one day, the books, it's all going through the books. And then one day, there comes a point where her husband came home and for the first time he beat her. And she started to hold bitterness in her heart against him. Can't forgive him. And... So the question is asked, did she know that God is able to keep her from falling? Yes, she knew that, Her Honor. Well, did she know that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse? Yes, Your Honor, she knows that. Well, did, did she know that, that if she didn't even have the desire to forgive, that if she's just willing to be made willing, if she had just come to me, I would have given her the willingness to forgive? Yes, Your Honor, she knows that. But Your Honor, I'm going through it and I can't see it. She never came to you. Oh, Your Honor, wait! I just found something <laughs> on her deathbed. Her husband comes. And they are weeping together. And she finally claims your power to forgive him. And all the sins that she has committed in the past is covered. And so what would God say? When did she die? Oh, she died in 1968, whatever, the next day. Okay, leave her book, leave her name in the book, and uh, we'll keep that record right there. I think what makes it so, such a scary thought, is not so much the record of Anne Smith, but should I say the record of Jonathan? Because we are told that it begins with those that are dead. And at one point, when you're eating your cereal, 
at one point when you're driving to Walmart, at one point when you're taking an exam, and you don't even know it, there comes a point where it comes to the living. And so, for example, the book is open. Who's the next person? Well, the next person is Jonathan Zeta. Okay, well, when was he born? Well, he was born in 19 so-and-so. <laughs> September 14. Okay, okay, well, tell me about him. And so, you go through his life. When, when he was five years old, what happened? Well, when he was five years old, he went into the house, and um, he, he, um, his mommy asked him to clean the dishes. Well, what happened? Well, he got really angry. And he says, we have four kids in this house. And how come I'm the one always that has to do the dishes? And, and it's not fair. And I won't handle this. And he walked out and he slammed the door behind him. Well, well, did he know that was wrong? Yeah, he knew that was wrong. <laughs> well, well, what happened? Well, I don't see. Oh, your honor. When he was 17, your honor, he gave his heart to you. And so Christ says, you know, my blood covers. And all the sins that he has committed in the past is covered. He has asked forgiveness for his selfishness, his pride, and his life of sin. And Christ pleased his blood for my behalf. But this is the issue. The issue is that there comes a point where the recording angel has to stop. There comes a point where my name is open and the book is open and that the whole courtroom has to stop looking at the book from the last period, from the last letter that is written, and they have to start looking down. So where is Jonathan now? Well, he's in Orlando right now. Well, what is he doing? Well, he's talking to young people about God. You understand what I mean? There comes a point where he has to transfer from the books. And so let's just say, let's just say that as they're going through the book, they pass my baptism, they pass the surrender of my life to God. What is he doing? Well, what happened in 19 so-and-so? He started to get involved in literature evangelists. He goes from door to door. He shares with the gospel with people. Man, that's, that's pretty good what he's doing. Tell me about what he has done for the gospel. Well, it's on your power, God, to you be honor and glory. And the angels stop and they all worship him. Then they continue. <laughs> and they keep going. Well, but in, in 1999, a sister in the church did something to him. She baked cookies for everybody, but she didn't bake cookies for him. And he has a really bitterness against her. Well, 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 does he know that? Yes, same questions. Does he know that I'm able to keep him from falling? Yes, he knows that. Does he know that if he just confesses? Yes, he knows that. Does he know that I can give him even a desire to forgive this woman if he doesn't have that desire? Yes, he knows that. And so even though that is recorded there, and now the book is finished, and they look down at me, so what's he doing now? Well, what's he doing? He's doing a wonderful job. He's sharing your truth about your three books to a group of people in Orlando. He's sharing with you how they can overcome, how they can experience a wonderful experience in their lives. But what about that bitterness against that woman? Well, 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 no. You know, he, he, he just has, a, you know, he's, he's working on it. He's really working on it. You know, he's really working on it. But, but does he know? He knows. But, but, but your honor, and you know what? I can imagine Jesus Christ pleading and says, your honor, I, I've died for Jonathan. I've sent angels to help him, to protect him, to direct him. I've sent him my Holy Spirit. 
I raised him up with the Bible stories. I brought him to church every Sabbath. This, 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 this young man, he's a good man. He treats his wife well. He brings her flowers and whenever he can afford it. <laughs> this is a good guy. You don't know how many people he has preached to, how many doors he has knocked, how many people have been baptized. This is a good man. And you know what? Jesus can plead his blood and Jesus can start weeping before the Father. And I can see Jesus weeping. But it doesn't matter at that point how much Jesus weeps. It doesn't matter how much tears he sheds and how much pleading he has for his father. Because I can guarantee you that Jesus does not want to let one go. And I don't think that in heaven it's a transaction like I'm saying, Oh, okay, she didn't repent. Okay, take her name out. Okay, send that to the shredder. Next person. I can imagine that there's a sorrow in the heart of God and Jesus Christ that you and I cannot understand. A pain from knowing that they have invested everything they could in Jonathan. A pain that God was able to use him. But a pain that even though Jonathan knew that he could come to God whenever he wanted to, to experience power and forgiveness, he never did. And it doesn't matter how much tithe Jonathan gives. It doesn't matter how involved he is in the Advent hope. It doesn't matter how many people come to a knowledge of Christ. If there's something in Jonathan's life that he hasn't surrendered, some bitterness that he's still holding, some person that he hasn't forgiven, some lustfulness, some pride, that he still has not surrendered to God, knowing that God is not only able to forgive him, but also able to give him a desire to overcome The father with tears has to say, Jesus, I know you're weeping. I know it's hard. It's as hard for you as it is for me because I love Jonathan so much, I gave you. But Jonathan has made his choice. You have to take his name out. And you've got to shred that book. Friends, That is the message, the essence of the three angels' message. That is the reason why the seven-day Adventist movement was raised up. It was to be able to prepare a people to stand before God. Not prepare a people to die in Christ. Yes, for many years, pastors and ministers, that was their goal. If I can just help my parishioners... So when it comes to the end, I can be by their bedside and say, okay, brother, let's, let's one more time, let's ask forgiveness. And so they can die peacefully in Christ. But the difference is now, what we are doing is we're trying to prepare a world to be able to be living when Christ comes, to be able to stand before God in purity, in total surrender to His will, leaving the perfection of our characters up to Him and not to us, fully covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. So that when their names is going, is open and we move from the books to their living lives, they can see that there is an individual, there is a woman, there is a man, there is a boy, there is a girl whose life is fully surrendered to God. Because friends, at one point, the books have to close. And at one point, somebody is going to be living when that happens. And I may be wrong, 
but I have a strong conviction that it will be us. That it will be us. I remember one day I was in a car and I was driving. I was actually a passenger in the passenger seat and with a friend of mine. And we stopped at a light. And it was summer, so our windows were down. And beside us pulled up a convertible. And in the convertible was an individual, a young man. And he was dancing in his car. By the way, I heard his car coming about a mile away. (laughs) You know, you feel the road just kind of, because the music is so loud and he has those two, three, four speakers in the back. I don't even know if he had a back seat. I think it was speakers. And he pulls up and he's just dancing away in the car. I mean, and I look over there and I just start laughing. I said, I said, this guy doesn't know how silly he looks. <laughs> how stupid, you know. And I'm turning around to my friend to give a comment about, hey, hey, look at this guy. Look how, you know. And I turn around and I'm about to speak. And I see tears in his eyes. And I am saying, God, this man doesn't know just doesn't know. Lord, you pull me out of this. Please pull this one out too. I went home and I thought about that incident. I thought a long time about it. And God convicted me, says, John, You cannot weep for others until you learn to weep for your own soul. In other words, there is a work of soul searching that must happen in each one of our lives before we can truly have power and readiness to fulfill the message that I've just shared today to a dying world. If we ourselves are not fully surrendered to God, if we ourselves still have things in our lives, some mess that we are just too busy really to take care of, you know, some inside soul searching, I believe that that is directly related to the burden for souls that we have. And so if you're trying to bring people to a knowledge of Christ, if you're trying to have Bible studies and group studies and, and you want to share things with others about God, I believe that you will never have the power that God intends you to have. And you'll never be able to help others truly until you learn to weep for yourself and I learn to weep for myself too. In Great Controversy 490 in closing, it says, The judgment is now passing in the sanctuary above. For many years, this work has been in progress. Soon, none know how soon it will pass to the cases of the living. In the awful presence of God, our lives are to come up in review. At this time, above all others, it behooves every soul to heed the Savior's admonition. Watch and pray 
for ye know not when the time is. And so I want to bring a, a little balance in closing. I don't believe that we should live in fear of the judgment. I don't believe that we should go around with a checkboard and say, okay, did I forgive that one? Did I forgive that one? Did I forgive that one? And I hope that is not the concept that you got this morning. But I do believe that is something serious enough in our lives that we must search our souls for. That we cannot just say, God, grace covers it all. Maybe if there's something in your life this morning that you know you have to deal with, maybe if you... It's been so long since you've gone inside to look, but you know you don't really have a burden for souls. You drive past hundreds of people every day, but you couldn't care less. The person who pumps your gas or the person who pays for your groceries, you never stop and think, will it change my life if this person is not in heaven? It doesn't even cross your mind. There's no thought about it. I'm telling you, the message is still for you. Because even if you think that your life is okay, just the lack of burden for soul, I believe, is a perfect example that we need soul searching. There are some things in our lives that must go. And so this morning, the appeal is very simple. The appeal is that you, not now, but sometimes today, this week, before the, you forget the message, that you will go back to your room, to your closet, that you would get on your knees, and you would have a serious soul search with God. Friends, it is amazing what you will find when you do that. <laughs> it will almost be di di discouraging, almost suicidal. <laughs> but when you do that, remember, you serve a loving Savior. And no matter how deep or how bad you are, Jesus is always there extending His hand for you to come back home. Well, I want to pray for you. I don't know if that is your desire. And you want to make that commitment to go back and to do the heart, hold the heart searching. Please stand and let's pray. Let me pray for you. Before I pray, I just have a little homework for you to do. This is a classroom, so I really feel like a teacher here. <laughs> there are six questions that will be asked when your name is brought up in heaven. Six questions. And that is found in the book, Great Controversy. And I always thought that if you can know the questions that are going to be in the exam without cheating, then that's really good, no? Then you have an edge over everybody else, right? So I would encourage you maybe this afternoon, go back to the Great Controversy in a chapter called Facing Life's Record. And look for the six questions that the recording angel or Jesus will ask when your name will be called up. And I think uh, it will be very enlightening for you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I want to thank you for revealing to us the reality, the truth of the judgment. For many of us, we know this, but it is good to be reminded, to be refreshed about the urgency, the importance of this message. Father, you raised up this movement to be able to prepare people to stand before God and also to have their name cleared so they can stand before you even without an intercessor. And Lord, somehow we have gotten involved with so many other things that are ministry-oriented. But sometimes we forget the urgency 
of this mission. Father, you see those that are standing today. We who stand, we desire to take the time this week to have a soul-searching time with you. And I pray that as each individual goes, that you may help them to fulfill their promise. And as they search their hearts with your help, with the power of the Holy Spirit, may you reveal yourself to them. May you give them a willingness to be able to change whatever you show them. And Father, I pray that if some of us experience hopelessness in our situation, that you may reach out to us and with compassion bring back hope in our lives. Father, some may be standing because everyone is standing. And Lord, I pray that you may not forsake them either. Please, Lord, send angels by their side to guide them to surrender their lives to you. This I pray and I thank you in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.